What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 178 of the Justin Inside podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and their journey through it. As always, I am your host. My name is Tim Birkbeck, and I'm actually doing all right. It's been a quite a productive week in terms of getting stuff sorted for the podcast and various other bits and pieces, trying to get myself back into a kind of normal career, I guess, in some aspects, applying for jobs and so on and so forth. Not that you need to know that, but just sharing what's been going on, because obviously at the moment, not a lot is going on. Um, Before we get into the episode, as always, just kind of want to touch upon a few things. Firstly, what I've been listening to, uh, the new Gate Creeper record, well, surprise record that kind of came out uh, last week, for me personally, is a huge kind of improvement on uh, their previous record. Um, so I was a huge fan of um, Sonoran de- Depravitation, however you say it, but Deserted for me just didn't do what I expected from Gate Creeper. But the new album, um, An Unexpected Reality, is a huge like return to form, and there's some bits in there which is fucking insane, and the drumming on that record is just absolutely nuts. Um, aside from that, the uh, Emma Ruth Rundle Thou EP, which is an extension of um, Name My Chambers Be Full, which was one of my records of the year last year, is, I mean, it's bound to be expected that it was awesome. Uh, the Shame record finally came out, Drunk Tank Pink, which is fucking rad. Uh, and c- kind of in a related note to, to this week's guest in the Screamo world, um, Suffocate for Fuck's Sake dropped a new track, which predictably is absolutely beautiful and stunning, and I cannot wait to hear the rest of that record now. Um, they're one of like the top-tier bands in the Screamo world for, for myself. So, yeah, really, really excited about that. Um, in other news, last week, obviously, we introduced the the concept of doing a charity sampler. Um, the response to that has been absolutely incredible. Like, I wasn't expecting it to be so well-received as it... Well, I was hoping it'd be well-received, but not as well-received as it has been. So that's been amazing. So thank you, everyone, who's been in touch in regards to that. Um, I think... At the time of recording, there's literally like two slots left for the first one. Um, what my plan is is once I've got all twenty tracks sorted, um, I've been in speak, been in speaking, been speaking to someone about doing the artwork. So once I've got the green light from them as well, uh, I will announce what the first charity we're going to be working with is. So obviously keep an eye on all the socials and stuff for that. Um, but yeah, the aim is to get out on April 1st and then have that run for four months before we get the second sampler out. And then that obviously will continue to be a secular thing. So yeah, huge thank you to everyone that's given a shout out to that. Finally, uh, a little update on an insight magazine. I know it's been pretty quiet on that. Like personally, I've, Towards the end of last year, I found it really hard to kind of be creative in terms of writing. So I really, really put that on the back burner and like that's down to me. I know that. And so like for anyone that's pre-ordered, I appreciate your patience and everything like that. Issue three is finally out to the printers. 
so you should have that within the next sort of week or so um my plan for it going forward so when i kind of started it obviously the idea was to be something to kind of keep myself preoccupied between tours and do some work whilst on tour obviously that all went by the by with the pandemic um so i had to find alternative employment and that kind of stunted where things went with the magazine and my creativity with it my plan now is to not kind of put as much pressure on it because I my original plan was kind of do something every couple of months and but obviously that didn't happen so now it's just going to be a case of as and when I get a chance to get around to doing it an issue will come out that's going to how it'll be so I won't be putting too much into the promotion and stuff as I had because I think that puts more pressure on myself which is not necessary so yeah there will be a fourth issue i don't know when it's going to come out i don't know who's going to be involved in it yet but once i have issue three in my hands i will start thinking about issue four and we will go from there right i've been babbling too long as always so let's get into my wonderful wonderful guest and this week i am joined by uh the person who's sort of behind coma regalia and the person behind uh, Middleman Records, as well as being involved in about a million other projects within the Screamo world, uh, Sean Decker. Sean was wonderful to take, like, take some time out of their day to have a little chat with me. Um, so we obviously discuss all the projects that they're involved in, um, all the records that they released last year, which was incredible considering we're in the middle of a, a pandemic uh how they sort of became kind of embedded within sort of like the DIY world and how that's kind of grown to where it is how they've always been kind of seen as a reliable person within that world or see as mentioned they're involved in so many projects whether it's recording them putting them together mixing mastering and obviously the distribution through middleman records so they're kind of seen as a as a safe hand, and I don't mean that as a as a disparaging term whatsoever. Um, and we obviously get into the kind of the narrative of Coma Regalia. Uh, Sean obviously keeps it quite close to their chest, which is totally fine. But we kind of talk about how that narrative has sort of grown and evolved, where they see it going, and things like that. And obviously, yeah, so much more. So please. Sit back, enjoy the chat I have with Sean, and I'll see you on the other side. So, uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is guitarist and vocalist of mainly Coma Regalia, but various other projects which we will dig into, um, and also the man behind Middleman Records, Sean Decker. Sean, thank you very much for taking some time to have a have a chat with me um as we kind of mentioned briefly before i hit record you're involved in so many different things but also like last year being the fuck up that it was you still seem to be one of the people that put out so much music i think like what was it like 13 releases in in total that you were part of yeah um yeah there were 13 uh like you know it it was a lot of work and i don't mean to um make the what i did sound like it was easy or anything but it, th this was stuff that was 
like there was so many varying um, degrees of production that was involved. This was all stuff that I did work on last year and I did finish last year, but it's like the, you know, the drums for the newest Coma Regalia album were recorded in like the summer of 2019, you know? So right, okay. it, it's, it's um not to like, not to sort of like say I didn't do a lot of work you know last year or whatever but it's um there's i just always have so much stuff in these varying (laughs) degrees of production like i've got stuff right now where i'm just waiting on people to finish vocals and stuff like that so um it's yeah it's just it's not just like because last year you know i stayed home a lot more it's just you know that i've always been working towards getting all these different releases and in um having things lined up you know to to be ready to move on to uh, other collaborators and stuff makes it mm. where i can just be like and then this is this other thing you know yeah and i can kind of see from the background obviously you've got quite a, a sort of in-house studio so does that oh, yeah. kind of make doing these projects a bit easier that you have the ability to to record at home and get people to send you things and kind of build it from there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I joke, I joke around a little bit because, you know, when people talk about their favorite drummers online or their favorite guitar players, like I'm never in those lists, but, um, (laughs) but I get asked to do a lot of projects and it's like, I'm super reliable, you know? So yeah, yeah. People know if they ask me to do something, it's going to get done. And I, and yeah, I have put myself, in the position uh to know like dismay of my own at points like where i am in a house like i would love to live like somewhere else you know that's not like lafayette in the middle of kind of like there's no bands here you know yeah there's no people to play with but like the house that i'm in the location it's like i you know if my if my kids are awake if it's summer or whatever like I could record until three in the morning it doesn't matter you know so I've stayed in this house and you know I've made it to where like like this has always been a priority for me and like this this was always like before I even realized it like the end goal you know to just yeah yeah take my philosophies on like well you can just start a band if you want who, who fucking cares? You don't need permission. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's the same thing with recording. It's like you can just record yourself if you want. And then when I found, you know, ten years ago when I found programs where it was just like, no, you you actually can. You can do this right now. And so that's you know, that's why you know all the stuff you see behind me. It's it's yeah, it's it. it um, I think if you just kind of look at it, you're like, yeah, that looks that looks right. But if you <laughs> like looked at if if somebody who had anything like had like good knowledge of like recording and stuff looked at it they'd be like what how do you get anything done this is stuff just all over (laughs) and it's because i'm one person and i the computer has it works it works for you doesn't it that's all that matters yeah yeah exactly exactly well how i always like to kind of kind of kick these off properly i always like to start at the beginning so to say and kind of ask like what was your kind of first introduction to alternative music like what kind of started you on that path um so 
you know, um, we like, uh, I was really close with a cousin of mine. We skated when we were younger. Right. And um, we, so we found out about bands like Suicidal Tendencies and, um, and Metallica, like old Metallica, you know, like pre-Black album, uh, through Thrasher <laughs> Mags and stuff. And right. then we would just be skating and we, we met other kids, uh, like, <clears throat> you know, the, the weirdest uh, origin story, part of my origin story or whatever, it was this one kid, can't remember uh, his name, but he, um, he just, he didn't even skate. He just, there was a grocery store by where we used to skate and he would come from this grocery store and he would just sit down on the curb and he would be look he'd be wearing like white face makeup and like fishnet shirts just looking super into the misfits and stuff and he like showed us the misfits and he you know he wasn't much older than us but he was like getting cigarettes you know we were like <laughs> i don't know 13 14 you know yeah yeah and uh he's over here you know getting cigarettes and he's giving us tapes with uh misfits and christian death or whatever on it and uh mm -hmm. And, you know, just through skating and, and, um, and, and meeting people like, you know, other weirdos like us, you know. Well, so what, so this guy just kind of came to hang out. He wasn't, to sort yeah, of it was a, where we skated was like, like I, uh, so I, at that time I lived in Dayton, Ohio and there was this Hills, it was a department store and it was like shut down and like pros came there to skate and stuff like we used to skate oh, with, wow, like okay. rob deerdeck and oh um, sick yeah when i mean rob deerdeck was like a little kid like us too you know but he was like amateur and doing shit like that was way above what he should be doing you know but <laughs> yeah and so it it wasn't like exactly known like to people like this is where skaters go or else like the you know police would have busted it up or whatever but skaters knew and so just every once in a while, you know, this kid would come by and he would just sit and watch people mm -hmm. doing shit and talk about, you know, music because somebody would have something playing out of the back of their car or something, you know. And uh, yeah, later, I mean, I lived in um, <clears throat> I lived in Florida and it was kind of the same thing it was like uh, some kids from my from like my high school at one point, like. I didn't really know them and then some kid just comes up and he's blasting like no control out of the back of his car and that was the first yeah. time I heard bad religion and was like oh shit you know and so it was always like yeah it was just like uh, just being a bunch of weirdos and liking stuff that people didn't like and skating and you know um, so when did you kind of like start digging into like music a bit more and kind of like finding sort of your own bands rather than like bands that people kind of recommended you sort of thing well i mean like immediately i mean we were you know we weren't we weren't just waiting to hear from other people you know yeah yeah as soon as we saw suicidal and thrasher or metallica and thrasher then we jumped from metallica to megadeth because that that was you know someone who used to be in metallica and then yeah anything that looked like any album cover or something that looked like that then we would get that you know and um <clears throat> and uh then we when we found out about like sst bands like descendants then we just started listening to like every sst band you know like um so yeah we were we were really 
like trying to go all in like and we and we really at the time you know we didn't have the uh, the internet was just like in its infancy so like we didn't have the resources so we like looked at labels like discord and stuff as like like real tastemakers you know so we, yeah we would if it was if it said sst on it we'd get it and we didn't always like it you know but like we get it and we'd be like okay and then we might find out some of those people were in, in different bands and you know we just went from there but yeah we were you know like epitaph when epitaph came out with something we would have that you know stuff like that mm. um and there was a record store where i lived that like he would do his best to like get stuff if you ask for it or whatever you know but um <clears throat> then later like once some some of us could drive then we'd go to like cool record stores you know yeah yeah and uh then we'd get maximum rock and roll and you know it was all all from there you know yeah so was it was there any kind of bands that you can remember that you were like particularly gravitated to that you kind of call like would say it was like quote unquote your band like one that you kind of found off your own back kind of thing um <clears throat> i mean i think it i think like you know when i was when i was growing up you know uh like the descendants were one of my favorite bands because i yeah i thought that a lot of bands sure they sounded like that whole skate punk thing but when you listen to like the actual like rhythms and stuff of the descendants like they're they you know like green day kind of has like a template for songs they really yeah. like have like and then there's these four chords and then these four chords or whatever and the descendants i thought were really different like the they they didn't just move around like to the beat exactly you know like the 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 left hand moved around a lot more and you know they're really like this the to me they were really like the octave chord band of like yeah 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 vocal you know whatever um but i mean um i don't think that music was really like music was was a like to me music was like a a vehicle for like expressing like you know like the stuff you're like mad about you know and so I, that resonated with me with like punk bands like the descendants and stuff even though later i'd be like well some of these lyrics are pretty shitty you know um, <laughs> yeah. but um but like you know it was it wasn't until later that i had like the, some of the more like really like i felt like real emotional connections to bands like you and i and stuff like that yeah that, you know and that was obviously like you know in the uh <clears throat> late 90s hearing bands like you and i and and uh you know i um as far as bands like that that i sort of found like kind of like on my own you know a big one is like eight hour credo uh, mm. which is like you know members from like breakwater and stuff um and bands you know that i would like become friends with and like near like you know like uh allison ranger was one later from like the mid mid 2000s or whatever yeah. you know um but yeah um just at that point obviously you're just like going on soul seek you know or whatever you know <laughs> yeah finding everything you could try to find you know yeah yeah so so where did screamo come into to everything then well i mean um so i was uh i was i was living 
I was living in an apartment and uh, here in Lafayette, where I live now, and uh, I was working with a bunch of these kids and they were putting on shows in this house that I live in now, that I still live in. And uh, they were, you know, I was working at a Papa John's with them and they were like, oh, you play in bands? And I was like, yeah, but my band at the time, like one of them lived in Indianapolis about an hour away. The other one lived in Ohio about three hours away. So we didn't play that much, but they're like, you live in, you play in bands? Like, yeah, come, come hang out at our house like sometime after work and check out our band and that band was usurp synapse oh so sick i i started just like sort of hanging out with them and um i was always i was already kind of like listening to stuff like that and stuff and like actually like the crimson curse was like one of my favorite bands hands down at the time like i was like, mm. putting putting like synths into screamo i was like my fucking mind was blown you know so <laughs> yeah. uh so i was like I would be talking to them and I'd be like, I want to start a band that's like this, that's basically like the Crimson Curse. And so then uh, I, they were like going to move out of this house and move down to Indianapolis because they all lived here. And they were like, we, we, do you want to sublet this place and then move in? And I was like, fuck yeah. Cause like, I don't have, I don't even have anywhere where I can play my guitar loud now, you know? So I moved into this house and um, I started this band called Dance and Destroy. And mm. that was that was it. That was my attempt at being uh the Crimson Cursed. It was Okay. Uh, <laughs> one of us had this huge like uh I forget what it was called. Um it was a something it was a something five, but it was like a huge like it was like a seventy pound like actual like organ and oh wow yeah they stole it from goodwill they worked at goodwill and they stole it <laughs> nice and uh and we were just we wanted to do this band and i just i knew a bunch of you know weird kids and i was and i was like i want to start this band it sounds like this and they were like one person is like i play guitar and the other person's like i play guitar and i'm like uh well shit you know my partner at the time could kind of play bass and i was like well, I, I guess we got everything except for a drummer. So I asked some people and I got this drum set real cheap and I just started playing drums. And um, so my intro to Screamo was really like, just cause it was happening like that. Yeah, it yeah. was happening like all around me. And I was like trying to be a part of that. And, uh, and we were, you know, we played a lot around the Midwest and stuff, but we only had like one release. Yeah. So, I'm going to, so I'm going to backpedal a little bit, but just in terms of kind of your kind of musical introduction. So, because I knew that you obviously play drums, but was guitar obviously your first instrument, and was that the one that you were always kind of drawn to when you were growing up? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like a lot of people. I played a little bit in school bands. I played violin in school band a little, and then actually a friend of mine or a friend of my dad's gave me a snare drum because I wanted to play drums real bad in school band, but I, I was like a twig, you know, I was, I was just so small, and the, the caveat on borrowing the drum was it had to be in this case, and it was a metal snare, and it was way too heavy for me to carry to school and back, right. like, <laughs> I was like, whatever, and um, <clears throat> I can't remember if I went back to violin, or if I kind of just petered out of band at that point, um, but my dad growing up, like my dad always played guitar and um, 
it was always like told, I was always told I was going to get this one guitar of his when I turned 16. And uh, we, you know, I would go into his room where his guitar was, like not his bedroom, but he had it in a separate room. And I would like open up the case and mess with his guitar. I was like fascinated by just like making it make noise, you know, and uh, I was supposed to get this guitar when I turned 16, but uh, our house got robbed and the guitar got stolen. Oh, shit. Uh, so later, you know, my parents split up. Well, my family moved down to everyone except for my dad moved down to Florida. And I, I never did get end up getting a guitar until I was working at my uncle's restaurant. And one of the cooks there was like, I was always talking about like, I'm just, I'm just trying to work. I'm trying to save money to buy a guitar. Because by that time, yeah, my, my interest was like, all in just like playing guitar. And, uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I like, I, I like idolize people like Brian Baker or whatever, just like, listen, how fast that is, you know? And, uh, and, um, you know, um, I, uh, eventually saved up enough money and I bought this BC rich in this crate combo. Actually not, it was a great, it was a Roland, like, some Princeton chorus or something. I don't know. It was one of the, it's one of these ones. Like I found out like now these amps are like revered, like people want them. And, oh, okay. You know, but uh, anyway, I, it was like 375 bucks for these two things. And like, that's like 1990s money. So like, I'm like, wow, I got ripped off. Like based on what <laughs> I could get that same stuff or what I could get for that money now, you know, like, I was like, wow, I really got messed up, ripped off. But, um, yeah, the, the guy brought the stuff over and he's like, I'll show you some stuff. Uh, he showed me how to, literally he showed me how to play the intro riff to Iron Man and then was like, okay, peace. And uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I just started learning like Ramon songs and whatever I could figure out, you know. That's, I like that um, it was Iron Man that he taught you though. Because so, weirdly... That was it. Like, <laughs> But it's, it's weird. So like... My so my older brother he plays guitar. I I can't play any instrument for shit. Like I don't have the coordination or anything for it. But when I was maybe twelve, thirteen, like I wanted to sort of like emulate my brother, and he tried to teach me the guitar, and that's the song he tried to teach me, and I just I just couldn't nail it at all. I just sucked. Yeah. But um, but so in terms of you kind of like discovering music, like as you say, kind of from like the like skating and kind of developing it from there and things like that like i always find it interesting like what people's relationship with live music is so like growing up were you kind of like going to live shows or was that something that you kind of did a little bit later on in life like where did that kind of come into things well my my dad took me to like a concert when i was like 12 or something and it was like yeah it was like Cinderella and Skid Row and like Winger. <laughs> Amazing. And yeah, it was this real wild like, and uh, yeah, and and uh, I mean, I just I think at that time you know like, um, that was that I mean I was like just stoked like I was gonna go watch like a real band play you know and yeah, uh, and also I didn't I didn't I didn't always get like my dad didn't always do a lot of stuff with me. So I think I thought that was really cool too. And, um, but then like, yeah, my parents split up not too long after that, but, um, 
my first show that I went to, like with my friends or whatever, and I don't know how I convinced my mom to let us do this, but when I was like 16, I saw the Dead Milkman. Okay. So that was a lot closer to what I was like genuinely interested in and stuff at that time. And uh, yeah, that was still like, that was still a bigger, um, a bigger thing. And, um, you know, a little bit after that, my friends and I started playing like in bands and stuff. And um, we started doing shows ourselves uh, out. Like I, I built a little thing out of a storage unit that we would practice in. It was like a stage that went out into the parking lot and we were just in the middle of nowhere. And, and um, by doing that, I, I, I like, you know, people heard about that from like neighboring towns and stuff. And so our bands would get to go and play with their bands and we would like sneak their bands over and play our things or whatever. And um, that's when I really was like, holy shit, there's people just doing this shit like wherever they want. Um, yeah, like yeah. We do. And um, that's when I, I would, I, yeah, I'd see some really cool shit like then, you know, like I, um, I, my high, you know, my high school band, uh, that sounded just like a bad religion ripoff or whatever. Uh, we got to play with that suck in Tampa because we, oh, play, sick. you know, and we, we, uh, we got to play with um, in St. Petersburg. We got to play with um, that band. Um, shit. I'm like blanking on the name. It's, it was, it's uh, people from the band digger, but it was the band before right. digger. And okay. uh, I fucking cannot think of the name of that band right now. It saved my life. Um, but uh, yeah, real, real wild, real wild uh, show. And it was the first time that I ever saw somebody like um, how drummers like will throw a stick in the air and catch it. Uh, oh, yeah. player flicked his picks in the air and caught them like between strums and stuff. I can't remember the name of that band. Uh, Weston, that was the name of the band. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's pre pre uh, that Hopeless Records band Digger. Um, and so yeah, uh, that's when I started seeing smaller shows and finding out people would do shows at Union Halls. They'd do shows outside at a gazebo or you know whatever. Like a band I played in when I was nineteen, played with FYP at a gazebo just outside, and uh, <laughs> you know um, it just. Uh, just just like that freedom you know just like no yeah no one gets to tell you like where I mean obviously somebody has to say it's okay <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. you can't just show up and say we're you know we're commandeering this house you know um, but uh, yeah no just how there was no rules and just like yeah it yeah. was it was as available to anyone as as could be comprehended at the time yeah so like how old were you at this time roughly um, I mean you know I like uh i i got a guitar when i was like 17 and i and i was recording like a band i was in like i got a guitar i got in this band and we were recording a demo like three months later okay um and we you know it wasn't that band that i started playing i mean i did play some parties or whatever with that band like friends birthday parties but, yeah, uh, it was the band after that that I was like I started to like meet people uh, from other cities and stuff, and I was like, mm. yeah, just like going on eighteen, you know, probably nearly eighteen. Well, because 
the reason I ask is because obviously, like you're saying, like putting on your own shows and stuff, and like I used to to book shows where I live here in the UK, mm-hmm. but that that wasn't until I was like maybe like twenty one, twenty two, mm-hmm. and it was very much kind of a a learning process. So like for you guys, like when you were like younger, like how did you know how to like do that, or was it just a kind of the thing of like to to quote Wayne's World, if you book them, they will come kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the first couple times when we did it, like we did it at, at like that warehouse that I was talking about, and and it was it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a proper show, like like it was, but it wasn't because like so my band practiced in one unit, and then right down the other like in a, in this the next building over but it was just like 10 units down or something my friend's band played and my friend um my friend it uh her name is uh is a uh, kathy um kathy coppola uh now kathy stublek um and she from circle takes the square circle takes the square yeah so yeah, like, yeah so what happened was i was like we're gonna build this thing and we're gonna tell people to come out and watch us play and do you want to play so it was like we were just like telling people to come do come watch us and there was also other bands that also practiced there so we were just like whatever and then eventually it was like we got away with it you know no cops came <laughs> yeah. we got away with it and a lot of people came so we that's when we were like we should ask bands from other places to do this you know and we just kind of however we found out we just like knew some people who knew some people so we'd find out about a band that was from venice which is like 20 minutes away you know or and um actually what happened was we did get had the cops come out one time and they did straight up shut us down because they didn't find anyone drinking or anything and which was not necessarily a rule we had. It was just coincidence, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because we were definitely trouble, you know? But um, <laughs> uh, yeah. so then we went to this this bar and we were like, uh, like we were all underage, you know? But we were like, hey, um, we've been doing this out here off of this like fucking county road. We've been doing this way out, way out here and we literally have like 100 to 200 people coming like to these things like will you let us do this at your bar just make it all ages and do it during the day or something and see how it goes and they were like yeah so uh this band um less than jake the their members were also from our hometown and so we knew them so i was like hey less than jake do you want to play the show and so this first show that i ever put on somewhere it was fucking huge like it like was sold out basically is this uh, like the less than jake yeah the less than jake yeah oh and um yeah and um this is of course before they were on capitol records and stuff too but they were a big deal in florida at the time Mm. it's just like i knew them and um so uh so yeah we were allowed to do keep doing shows there and then eventually other places like a fucking restaurant like was just like hey if you want to do that here too that's that's cool and so we just started doing this at these different places and um you know once once there was more like 
supply than there was demand, you know, obviously, you know, people, less people started coming then our, our avenues like shrunk up as well. Yeah. But yeah it was yeah. like, yeah, it was really cool. And especially because like that first show it's like sold out and it was like, I think that's the only show my mom ever came to see me play. So <laughs> nice. Like, like I, I said before, I'm like, I like the idea that my mom thinks like maybe that that's what all my shows are like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, she like, I'm sure she doesn't listen to any of these podcasts that I'm on. So that's fine. Yeah. The delusion <laughs> is still there. You know? Yeah, definitely. So like from that, were you like, cause as you said, like you were kind of networking and, and things like that. So were you going off on tour or were you just kind of doing like odd shows in the next town over kind of thing with your band? Well, I, um, yeah, we were just doing like odd shows the next town over. And then we started playing some shows with this band called No Fraud. And then I had just graduated and their bass player uh, left the band. So they were like, do you want to play bass? And I was like, I've never played bass and I don't have bass stuff. And they were like, that's fine. You, um, we have bass stuff. And they were like, do you think you could learn these songs and come on tour with us? And I was like, I, holy shit, I have to do this. So I was like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can totally learn. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know if I could learn songs or not, you know, I guess I could. Cause I, I was learning songs on guitar by ear. So I knew I, I had, but I thought bass would be like night and day, but um, I did it. And they took me on my first tour and um, going on that first tour. I mean, that was just like, that was it. That was it. That was like, I was like, cause I was still playing in my other band and I was playing in that band. And then I was just like, all my bands have to go on tour all the time now. Yeah. Like yeah. Right now. So, um, yeah, that, that, you know, that band, no fraud. And, uh, you know, uh, they, um, they not only like, you know, they not only took me on my first tour, but, um, a couple of the, uh, a couple of the members, um, specifically Walt Rossman uh, was really there for me at a time when a lot of people weren't there for me in my life. And uh, Walt, uh, Walt passed away from cancer last year. Oh, uh, shit. So um, yeah, uh, much love to Walt Rossman and, uh, and his family and all the people at Imprint Printing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That band um, still means a lot to me, you know, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So what was that kind of, because I always find like first tours, not necessarily tour stories, but like experiences, like how people kind of conceive it. Because I think in sort of like the dream world, everyone has this kind of image of what tour life is like, but in reality it's very different. So <laughs> did you have any kind of like preconceived ideas of what it was going to be like? Did it measure up to that? Or were you just kind of along for the ride? Well, so I, so, okay. So I did I did have like you hear about you know you see like when I was a kid all you knew was like the rock star bullshit you know? yeah, yeah and how and it was going on tour and it was getting wasted all the time and having uh, gratuitous sex and stuff and um and I was like that's such that's such bullshit like the shows I played and stuff and everything that I saw it I was like that's such bullshit but I'll be honest with you the first tour that I went on with that band I it was I, I was like I was getting drunk all the time and I was I was like literally <laughs> produced by women and I was like 
no tour ever since then or whatever has anything like that ever happened <laughs> but that first tour like that i was like what the fuck like I you mean, had the rock star dream uh i mean it but it but it like wasn't that wasn't <laughs> what i was looking for but that's what happened like and i mean i'll i'm gonna be like uh uh maybe like tmi but just to like set the record straight like like you know i mean i so I was, I played this show and I was in this bathroom and this woman pushed me onto this sink and started doing things to me. And I was like, this is impossible. And like, like I said, no tour since. Um, this is like the most not wholesome side that anyone's ever, you know, got out of me. But um, yeah, like, you know, so like I said, Going into it, I was like, that idea is bullshit. And then that stuff happened. And I mean, we were like, I was at a bar in Gainesville and, um, and, uh, and I, w I shouldn't have been in the bar. I wasn't, I wasn't old enough to be in this bar, but I was in this bar in Gainesville and there was like, like, a, like there was like attractive men hitting on mm. and, you know, like nothing happened that time, but I was just like, I was like, what is going on? And then, you know, in my own bands and like going on all these other tours, nothing, you know? And I wasn't looking for it then, but it was just like, I just attributed it to that band. And like, yeah, that was that very- It was a moment in time and it just stays. Yeah, it was a very unique and like wild experience. But that, that band was very wild and, uh, and, you know, everyone took care of each other. Everyone was respectful of everyone, um, but they're but they're wild, and, and I <laughs> I definitely got dragged into that a little. Um, but, uh, That's amazing. Yeah, at least, I mean, I guess you know, at least it happened once in my life. You know, I get you know. <laughs> um, so then, like, because of you say, like, you were kind of asked to to join that band. So, and and that kind of. Not saying that experience, but like the experience of tour as, as a whole kind of gave you the the want to do it more. So out of your own bands kind of thing, what was the first band that you would say of note that kind of like actively started hitting the road, was doing recording material, doing shows? Like what's the first one that you would kind of pin up? Well, I was in a band called John Q Public. Uh, we were like, you know, um, we were writing songs like, that would be compared to like Lifetime and stuff, you know? Okay, cool. And that was like before I heard of Lifetime. I was just like, I thought that, you know, there were, I thought that there were some bands that were doing cool stuff with guitars, like in Fast Punk and stuff, like Lagwagon or whatever. But yeah, yeah. I was also resonating with like bands like Raid and stuff, you know? So I was, I was trying to find out if you could make, um music that sounded like lag wagon or whatever you know but had emotional relevance and like could like could feel that powerful you know like mm. emotionally you know like like a band like um you know braid or or you know something like that um and uh yeah we went on <clears throat> a bunch of tours and we released like some seven inches and uh and um you know it was it was the kind of thing like there was a 
a couple of us that were in the band the whole time and then there was like several iterations of the you know the band um and uh you know i started that band down in florida and i ended up in indiana and um <clears throat> at the end um we we had a drummer uh, the drummer is now in that band horsewhip um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah alex bond um played in the band at the end and we recorded um i think both of our full-length albums are good the first one uh, is a little just like the lyrical content is not as like serious i guess you know yeah but the uh, second one i still i wish that uh i wish that it was a little bit like i feel like we just didn't do that well when we recorded it because i remember okay like just feeling okay. like these songs are really great and now like i could definitely record like i could record that album better like by myself now you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. let alone like with like alex on drums or whoever you know like um because alex is incredible but um yeah it's it's just uh so i mean yeah that's that's the first band that i was really doing and and um that, that i was still doing that band towards the end like i had like three bands like i had like a screamo band then i had like a small brown bike sounding band and then i had like you know that band um and that's when I was really trying to just like play out all the time, go on tours as yeah. possible. And, you know. So, like for me, like my introduction to your music was through Coma Regalia. So, I don't want to completely just like hugely fast forward to there, but so, but rather than obviously go through every single band and like the whole lifespan of it. Can you give me like a quick sort of like whistle stop tour of like how sure. you got from that band to to Coma Regalia? Yeah, so um, so Dance and Destroy was the band with the synths. That was like the first screamo band that I was in. Yeah, we were around in like ninety eight, ninety nine. Then um, Body was uh right after Dance and Destroy. Um, I started that with one of the first bass players from Usurp. Um, but then he ended up not even being around long enough to record the records. Um, uh, after Keiki Obadi, um, there was Ekameli, uh, that was around 2000, you know, 2003, 2004, we were playing around a lot. And, uh, um, <clears throat> after Ekameli, um, so around the time that Ekameli was happening is when um, my partner at the time and I had our, um, our first child. And, um, so I didn't do a lot of band stuff, uh, for a little while. And then I, um, I did a recording project with some friends of mine called Body of Wasps. And, okay. um, Body of Wasps is actually, that album is actually the, it is the first part of the story that, the LPs uh, of Coma Regalia tell. Um, okay. It's called It Ends and So It Begins Again. And um, it is, it's actually the unofficial, like, it's not a Coma Regalia LP, you know, but it's the, the unofficial first part of that. Well, yeah, yeah. The official first part of that story. Um, it's just like that, that's when I would, you know, I was telling them in that band, I was like, I want to write this whole album about one thing, you know, 
um, concept album, you know. And I was like, actually, I was like, I want to write one like 25 minute song. And they were like, hey, let's <laughs> let's slow down. Let's <laughs> just break it up, you know. And they and we did that. But um, and then uh, like after after that, um, so that Body of Wasps album was the first time that I personally had recorded anything myself, like pressing the buttons and opening the thing myself, yeah. and learning the thing. And uh, at that point, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to start doing this. And um, I asked a friend of mine, uh, who, my friend Mark, who was at like every Akamele show that I can think of. Um, I asked Mark, because Mark played guitar, I said, do you want to start a project that's like Akamele, but like more, like less hopeful sounding and just more angry sounding. Mm. And uh, we started Coma Regalia, just the two of us. I was like, I will play drums until we get a drummer and then I'll play guitar and you play guitar or I'll play bass and we'll figure that out. And uh, we, we never got a drummer, you know? So, so for, <laughs> uh, for like nine years, I played drums in Coma Regalia. Um, and uh, yeah, it wasn't actually uh, the, uh, the first time that um, Coma Regalia ever had a drummer was um, the, uh, other than just like a friend would hop on, hop on the kit for like one song. Uh, so mm. I would just be a freestanding vocalist, like at a, at a fest or something, you know, um, did that a couple of times. John from Ostraka uh, did that with us once at a swamp fest and uh, Dylan, uh, who I play with in Durasane did that once at a, at a show that we played with Gas Up Your Hearse. Um, but uh, yeah, the tour that we did in Europe uh, at, for Miss the Stars Fest and stuff, that was the first time anybody else played drums in Coma Regalia. Oh, okay, cool. But yeah, that's pretty recent. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So before we kind of dig in a bit deeper with Coma Regalia, <laughs> the other sort of like, I guess, string to your bow is obviously Middleman Records. Mm -hmm. And I won't go into the whole origin story because I know you've kind of told it numerous times. Sure. But obviously, like where it's at at the moment like i think and I, i'm not saying this just to blow smoke up your ass sort of thing but like i think many people within like the, the screamo sort of world kind of consider middleman as one of like the main record labels to kind of go to when they want to check out new stuff like within that world kind of thing so has it been a weird journey for you to see how it's grown from being this thing that you started in high school to like an established label within that community um you know i it, it it is in a sense that i i don't i don't take stock um in how much it's meant to other people um mm. that often you know like um it just kind of is you know so so, <laughs> yeah. so um i can i'm i'm humbled by the fact that people say things like you know I got into this because I heard one band from your label and then I listened to all of them or something like that, yeah. you know, like, I'm definitely like very humbled by that. And, um, and I mean, uh, the reason why it's not just the reason why it's not something I think about, you know, is because it's just something that I'm doing, like, while I'm just like living my life, like, I'm just, you know, I don't, I don't have like, goals for it I don't have like an 
uh, objective for it, you know, or, or whatever. Like I, I just keep hearing like awesome music and people need help mm. facilitating this music into plastic discs or whatever, you know, they want to make it into. So I keep doing that. And, um, yeah, every once in a while I just go, holy shit, I helped release Deathless. Like what the fuck, you know? <laughs> yeah. or I just I just helped release even a worm will turn. Like what the fuck, you know? So I mean, it is it's a uh, it's weird when I do stop to think like about uh, the shit that like how I'll hold abolition records like on this pedestal or whatever, and how I'm like, well, like D Dave, you know, Dave Norman, like from Zegama and myself, like we are abolition abolition records right now you know yeah yeah to some people you know what i mean i'm not i'm not trying to uh i'm not trying to compare the caliber of any no no but you like yeah. to to a sort of a new generation and even like not necessarily a new generation but like people that are discovering like screamo in this like internet age that we live in yeah like it's easy to go to like your label or Dave's label, and there's just this epic back catalogue of all these awesome bands that are around at the moment. So it's, I think it's fair enough to make that comparison. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I wasn't, tr it, it's just like how I said like SST earlier, you know, it's like, like I've been told like more than once, it's like, you know, not in these specific words, you know, but we are some people's SST, we are some people's, mm. you know, abolition, how abolition and SST were to me, you know, so <clears throat> yeah, it's like I said, uh, it's not something that I, I just sit there and do, because like, you know, well, when I'm doing the label, like I'm over here, I'm gluing covers together, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking of everything but that, you know, but um, every once in a while, you just go, holy shit, like this, it's, it's cool that this really matters, you know, to some people. Yeah. So. And I think like, again, this isn't to sort of like stroke your ego, but whenever I see that, like, if it's not like a friend's band or a band that I'm already aware of, if I know that they're, you're putting something out, then it's got to be reputable. So I guess it's that kind of like that sort of trustworthy notion of, of, people having faith in your taste in music as well, like, because they know that you believe in it. So it's got to have like something behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And like, in terms of kind of like, cause I know a lot of the stuff that you have worked on is sort of like people that you've met throughout the years or like people like friends in bands and stuff like that. But like, is, is there kind of not necessarily a criteria, but is there kind of a, a thought process that you have when you want to put out something like is there stuff that like i don't know say for instance a brand new band comes to you with their demo and it's a little rough around the edges but you think uh i could take a punt at this or do you kind of not really have that process when you think of like what you're releasing um I mean, you know, what matters to me more than any of that stuff is, you know, because there's, there's lots of great bands and I can't put them all out, you know, no matter yeah. how much I'd want to. What matters to me most is like what, you know, what, what the band is about or what the people are in the band are about, you know? And um, yeah, so it's, so it's like, you know, uh, yeah, like, like, you said, you know, like, I might personally hear something and 
or especially the more that I do recording or whatever. And I don't, not that I like all my recordings either, but you know, you might hear something, you might be like, this band will be really good or like, you know, um, or like if it's a first release, like you're like, yeah, their next thing is going to be really good. Like you just think about all the times you heard a first thing and what happens the next time. And as this band, as they get to know each other and what they're trying to do and, you know, so you, you do you can start to think ahead in that in that terms like this um as far as like their music like mm. yeah I'll, I'll i'll get down with this band like right now because their next thing's gonna blow people away like you can maybe kind of have that kind of forethought but like i said before um if they're not if they're not about like you know the right shit like i just won't bother you know if it's just a band and they're just like we're a band and we want to play huge shows and we don't give a shit about like why we're all here you know like we don't we don't care about like doing uh like yeah we want to go on tour but we don't care about like trying to help bands in our area or you know what i'm saying like yeah um if they're not trying to like be a part of the like community as it were you know whether it's like um whether it's like like various stages of activism you know or whether it's like uh just like a hands-on like doing shows themselves or you know like that's more important to me than like somebody who can write sick riffs because like lots of people can write sick riffs you know yeah so it's like i i go i go to for your health a lot because um i I kind of signed on to their first seven inch before I had ever even heard them because when I met them, they were like, they were like, they, you know, um, immediately like we played a show with Hayden's band and they were like, after the show, you can stay at my place. And then we stayed at their place. And then they were like, I'm trying to start this kind of band. And when we do, we're going to have shows at this place and we're going to do this. And just like, I was like, that's, 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 that's how I started. That's how I became involved in this. And that's why I'm Mm. still here, you know, because that passion for like, not just like, I want to do these things for me, but I want to do these things. I want to facilitate these things for other people as well, you know? Yeah. Um, And so that's whether that's like, you know, uh, somebody who, who's just like, I play in this band and I also do art for other bands or I play in this band and I also like, you know, I, I do this blog where I write about bands or I do this blog where I write about, you know, like, um, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Just, yeah. I, I just, the other levels of, of involvement are like really important to me as well. Yeah. Just cause you brought them up. Have you had the, the new for your health stuff? uh i've heard the songs that they've released yeah it's really good yeah i've so little caveat like i've been speaking to hayden and i'm go- he's going to be on the show at some point oh, they. And he's so, sorry they yeah. um and they've been kind enough to to send me the record and it is it's chef's kisses yeah it's yeah really i i know i could have bothered them and been like let me hear the record but i you know um i uh i'm okay with weight <laughs> I, I'm okay. <laughs> if they hear this and they want to send it to me, fine. But I, you know, I um, 
I do. Uh, people do like send me records to hear, even if I'm not releasing them or whatever. And I love. Yeah, that. yeah. And I'll, I'll listen to it, like of course, right away. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't, I don't ever want to be that person that's like, hey, let me hear that, you know. Even, oh uh, no no no! And I'm not saying that that was the case. Oh no, in this I know. Situation, but. No, no, I'm I'm not saying you did that. I'm saying I know I probably could be like, hey Hayden, you know, like. Cause I mean, they've, they've been in my house, they've eaten my muffins, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they could let me hear the record, but uh, yeah, I just don't ever want to be that person that like bothers people about it, even though I no, that's fair. You know, that's cool. Well, anyway, we'll get back to kind of regalia and cause you kind of touched upon it a moment ago with obviously the, that first record that wasn't officially a coma regalia record mm -hmm. being the birth of this kind of concept. And obviously, that's kind of been the story that's been told throughout the the existence of the band and like i know because essentially like it's you that's kind of creating this world and things like that and that's why you've been afforded to put out as much as you have but also like how have you been able to kind of keep that world going and like how how has it kind of changed throughout the course of the band uh well, this is where I start getting dodgy because I don't like to give I I don't like to give away a lot of it um, because no which oh, which is totally understandable yeah. now, obviously if you want to kind of glaze over it yeah as, yeah as much as you want then that's cool yeah it's so I mean um, without getting into it too much the thing is like there's um, there's very there's a very kind of topical nature. To each record um right. but also there is a very cyclical nature to the entire story so in that respect i have told parts of the story out of order and okay and that's fine because um like uh, like i'll just like okay for example like i said the body of wasp album it ends and so it begins again that is kind that is the first part just just say okay that's mm. the first part but there's actually a prologue or okay as well and that is ours is the cosmos noble so i guess you might say ours is the cosmos noble is the first part but that's not necessarily a part of the story that's like an introduction <laughs> okay. to the world or the concepts you know yeah 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 um so it would be like ours is the cosmos noble it ends as so it begins again would be the first part of the story and so because of the cyclical nature of the story i have been in parts in at points where i've been like the next part of the story is this and i've i've even i've written like an album and then something else comes up like the mirror um mm. the mirror i did i did not intend to record the mirror that year i intended to record this other album called Ilevectes. and then i started i just started realizing these things about myself and so the story of the mirror became very applicable at that time right and i was like and i mean for this type of music especially you you want to say what you want to say when you want to say it 
because that's when you're it it you're going to um, resonate the most um, the the biggest like amount of your passion and your intentions you know so I didn't worry about um, well this doesn't come until later or this is other thing is supposed to happen first you know mm. and um, and uh, yeah I kind of just I so um i told the mirror and then uh valfelgo was actually supposed to be after ilavectes as as well <laughs> and uh, but my grandfather and a dear friend of mine um both passed away that year and uh so i was like well i'm telling valfelgo now which is heavily influenced by like um the death of people you care about and how mm. you uh, how you try to uh, process that and honor them and and honor yourself, you know, as well. Um, yeah. But um, and then, like Mark was not supposed to be a full length, but then when I started putting them, it was supposed to be two separate releases, and then but then when I started writing them, uh, I was like, no, this is an LP. And, uh, <laughs> And then I was like, well, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell this part of the story. And um, so that's the only one that wasn't, that's the only one so far that wasn't like, that was written from scratch. And yeah. that was written like, as I was going, like there was nothing like, you know, the drums were there because we recorded them uh, to do other things with. And, um, and then, and then, yeah, uh, just, was like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do this i'm gonna no excuse me i'm gonna do this theme right here and i was like uh and so i don't know there's some there's one one of my friends and no one's heard any of villavectus except for myself but there's one of my friends that's more aware of it than you know than i've ever been so forthcoming about uh, mm. and they're like are you ever going to record that album? <laughs> like just keep recording the other parts. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm going to record it this year. I think. Yeah. Um, so in turn, like, again, I know you obviously don't want to give too much away, but in terms of like where the story is going and this isn't me being like, is Coma Regalia going to come to an end? Because I don't want that. And I don't think anyone wants that, but like, do you kind of have like an end game in sight or do you just see it being this continuous tale that will always be told? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's an end to every story, you know? Uh, um, but um, yeah, it's not coming anytime soon. I don't think. <laughs> um, yeah. I think I'll, I think I'll make some more records. <laughs> no, no, uh, that's cool. I have, um, I've got But do you five. do you have like a vision of like what the end will be like or or is that long in the future sort of thing? Um I know I know um I know what the last like I know what the last sounds from Coma Regalia anyone will ever hear are. Right, um, okay. And I know what that album will be about. And That's um, cool. But yeah, I there's a there's a there's quite a few more uh yeah no 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 it, which but, i'm know, very thankful i lived that long <laughs> <laughs> um but 
No, so then in terms of like that, because you've created this world and like this might be me kind of like reading way too much into this. But when you transfer that to a live setting, because you've got this extensive back catalogue of, of stuff that you've created, do you f feel a need to kind of like carry that on, like the theme on in a live setting? Or do you approach a show as, OK, these are a bunch of songs I'm going to pick what ones I want to play kind of thing. Um, <clears throat> yes and no. <laughs> and I know that's not a yes and no question. Um, so, you know, back when we first started the band, we thought that we should be able to play everything live that we could play on a record. But then as we made more and more songs, we're just like, that's you can't like no one wants to watch you play that long you know and even if they did you don't want to play that long like um so um we what i feel like um i feel like what i do is i feel like this the sets feel thematic even though yeah. i do pull from different parts of our catalog like you know there there are obviously um there's like there's themes in a lot of what we've done um whether they are like overarching themes like our lps are or not like there there will be brief themes like our theme like our split with we had a deal um it is like you know that's very thematic um the cold promise of you know uncertainty like those songs are very you know themed um our split mm. our split with Treafen is like um very themed um so we we do tend to sort of have a like maybe we'll break the setup into three spots where we won't stop right. but then we'll stop here and that might break to a new theme so that does make it feel like what you were saying where we're really sticking to these ideas and letting these ideas like stay together as opposed to just like and now i'm gonna sing this song about this you know <laughs> yeah um and so that's the only thing that feels weird to me sometimes is when i'm like i really should say something about what one of these songs is about because i think people can relate to this or whatever but i have trouble with that because i I feel like um, it's not it's not a it's not a character, you know. It's very much mm. me that's like doing and singing all these things, but I just have I just really and I just really enjoy being in that moment and separating myself from that moment by like talking like between songs or whatever is it feels um, strange to me, you know. So yeah, yeah. That's why we will try to just have these this block you know of these songs that feel this certain way and we'll just like try to just go through them you know in these little uh blocks or whatever yeah and in terms of obviously like going out and playing live you mentioned earlier obviously about coming over to europe so like what's coming over here was that the first time you've been over with a band or had you kind of previously done that before yeah it, it was the first time that 
I'd been to Europe, period, it's the first time that I like I was deathly afraid of flying. It was the first time oh, wow. that, okay. that I had flown since I was like a very small child and didn't have a choice. Um, <laughs> uh, so like that's why um that's why why I when when I was like, well, we're we're going to Europe. We're going we're going to do this. This may be the only time that we do this because you know, I don't know what's I don't know what it's going to be like. I might lose, my, like, I suffer from pretty severe anxiety. I'm like, I may lose my mind on this plane. We might not play a mm. single show. I don't know what's going to happen, you know? Um, so I was like, if we're going to do this, this could be the only time. It could be the only time I can afford to, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, I don't want to play drums over there. I want to play guitar. I want to be in, I want to be in front. I want to be able to react with people i want to be able to engage people like i want to feel people's sweat on me you know yeah yeah to be have that visceral feeling you know so <clears throat> i just so happened that jason was like any bands want to take me on tour anytime soon that'd be cool and we just <laughs> played with jason's band like the previous summer and i did not know that jason was like a drummer at that time but jason's drums were like great and i was like so if you are serious about that and you maybe want to go tour with us to Europe, do you, you know, and so, um, yeah, that's the, that's why we have drummers now. Um, <laughs> and, uh, that was my first time in Europe and, uh, obviously I'd been back since, so, um, yeah. it didn't, it worked out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well. Because was that was that first tour? Was that with Katie? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, because I know you've done various tours with. Because have you have you done two tours with Katie? Two tours with Katie. Yeah. Yeah. I think. We, and then, if we, I think like as long as Laz and Tom will be playing in bands together, we will always be trying to tour with Laz and Tom's bands. Yeah. 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 Um. Because I think did you. I don't, I don't know if it happened or was planned. You were going to do one with Komarov as well. Yeah, Plague Walker was going to come over and do a tour with Komarov when we, we were supposed to hit Miss the Stars this year. That's it, yeah, because I was potentially going to be driving that tour because Loz didn't want to drive it. So oh, well, that's, Yeah, so that's why I I knew it rung a bell, but I couldn't remember why. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just in terms of kind of like that first time over, like what was the kind of experience like for you? Cause like, I always find it interesting because I know like the States is an, a massive place and touring there is, can be quite sort of rigorous and things like that, like depending on the, the amount of driving you're doing, but obviously there's a cultural difference over in Europe and stuff. So how did you find that? And how did you find the reception to, to you guys? Yeah. I mean, okay. So um, to preface this in Coma Regalia, I, I own the van and I usually own like all the equipment and right. um, by that measure, I've done like all the driving, like uh, except for one tour, um, we took our guitarist at that time's van and I did very little driving on that one. But other than that, every tour, like, and we've been going out, you know, every year that it's possible since like 2012. So like, so like, you know, several tours and I'm, I've done all the driving. So going over to Europe, number one, I didn't drive. I was like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then number two, they're like, 
today's a bit of a drive. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's about four and a half hours. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) because we will put in like 16. Yeah. yeah. That's not ideal. But like when you go out uh, past like Texas, you know, if you're down South, when you go out past Texas, yeah. 12 hour drive guaranteed to the next city, you know? And uh, yeah. Yeah. When you're coming back from like, seattle or whatever and you're driving through idaho and all that yeah like 13 14 16 hours you know not it's nothing like i mean it's not nothing it sucks but i mean yeah yeah that's not unheard of at all that's not like what are you doing it's just like yep that's how it is um so there was that that was like just a pleasure in itself um as far as like just like when you're just like traveling like I, I felt like people in Europe were um, like, like I like how in, in shops and stuff, when you go into a shop, nobody, like they don't have this fake American, like no one goes into these shops and tells everybody to kiss everybody's ass constantly, maybe. <laughs> like, I don't know, yeah. like, I've obviously never worked in a shop anywhere else. Um, but like in the United States, like when you go into a shop, it's like everyone is like this super fake ass nice to you, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I enjoyed that. Like when you go into this random gas station in Germany, people are just like, hello. And like, that's, <laughs> that's it, you know? Um, but by that same measure, I thought that strangers and just like people just on the street were nicer yeah yeah. in general you know so it was like this weird thing where like over in some parts of the u.s you know if you're weird weird looking group of people you kind of just like don't eyeball anybody don't you know you just kind of like keep to yourself whereas over there it's like every seemed like everyone was like looking to be like hey 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 you know or whatever yeah yeah. it's just like because of where i was and you know the kinds of things we were doing but and then in terms of kind of like uh sort of i guess like recognition in some aspects as i say like i was trying to rack my brain before we jumped on this like when i first actually heard coma regalia but i couldn't i couldn't pinpoint the exact moment but obviously like you've now become kind of like a quote-unquote staple of the current sort of wave of like screamo bands so has it kind of been like strange from your position to see like this thing that you've created and this world that you've created sort of be like lauded as, as like this, this band that like others, like not necessarily aspire to, but like look up to and kind of take note of and, and even sort of take inspiration from. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it feels it feels a little strange, but it's nice, strange, you know, (laughs) Um, I don't, it's kind of weird because like, you know, there's, there's a, there's so much to do with, um, with music and music promotion and stuff. Like, especially the last year when people can't play shows and stuff, you know, there's so much to Mm. do with that that I have, I don't want anything to do with that. You know, I don't want to, like, if a blog writes about 
my album, like, oh, that's, I, I am just like super grateful for that. And I'm like, that's fucking cool. But like, I don't want to write blogs, you know, I don't want to yeah. like, I don't want to, um, you know, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to like, do advertisements you know i don't want to like this this part of that that promotion stuff you know it doesn't that doesn't do anything for me um and so like it, it's it's this weird thing where like you know when people are posting like how many song plays they have and this this kind yeah of, yeah this is stuff that i am just like not really attuned to whatsoever and um like whatever whatever means people get to like get people to hear their bands then like you know go for it you know i'm not like disparaging that but that's just like not um that's not what i do really you know like i will mention i'll post about it but um that's kind of the extent of it and yeah from that uh perspective i guess like i'm a shitty label person you know but uh, <laughs> but like it's just yeah it's just that 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 pr stuff has never been my thing and so it is so if if jason sends me like did you see this review or something or someone tags me online or something then i'm like whoa that's like that's really fucking cool um but it's like I feel like by that same metric that I don't actively engage myself in those things, I'm not, I'm not like bombarded with it in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, um, because yeah, because <clears throat> this this big website is d doesn't write about us or like my records aren't carried in this big labels store or whatever, you know. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's weird when it when when I come face to face with it or whatever, but super humbling. But I I feel like I kind of am just like over here existing until someone you know <laughs> says, "Hey, check this out," you know. And then so obviously we've kind of spoken about like how sort of like the story of Camo Regalia has kind of grown and how it's kind of like your baby, so to say, but obviously we've also kind of mentioned you're in various other projects at the moment that obviously Plague Walker was, as you mentioned, was meant to obviously come over to Europe mm. last May. And um, I'm, I'm not even going to attempt to say the name of the album you've just put out. Cause, Duracine? Yeah, I That's knew right. I'd butcher it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, Maybe I just like, did. I don't know. <laughs> but because obviously like you got these other bands that are still in that screamo world but obviously like different sounding and obviously different challenges are they kind of to scratch a different itch to to coma regalia because like with that band with coma regalia you've built a world whereas like the others you can kind of just play music is that kind of how you approach it yeah um yeah pretty much absolutely nailed it uh i mean when Comer and Gary first started, we had one rule, which was no rules. So we were like, if we want to write a what a song that people call pop punk, we don't care. Like mm. we didn't, but like that was just what that was our idea. And so I feel like earlier, um, earlier Comer and Gary material wasn't as 
directed as some of you know as our most recent stuff i think i feel like everything that we've done in the past couple of years it's it's kind of like <clears throat> oh, okay this is like what we would expect but if you listen go back and listen to say our split with diploid there's you might be like this is kind of weird for them you know yeah in retrospect you know but it's because yeah at some point i started playing in all these other bands and i was like well if i want to write a song that sounds more like this then i then i've been writing with coma regalia i'll just do that here instead you know yeah yeah and um yeah i mean like some bands i mean plague walker started because my friend wanted to sing in a band and no one would take her seriously and i I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'll start a band for you singing. So I did. Yeah. And so sometimes like I literally start, you know, these bands because I see people that I, that I care about or, or, or I am friends with and they want an avenue um, to express themselves. And so I'm like, you know, like um, uh, my, the project, all, all these fucking eyes came about that way. Like someone was like, basically like no one will let me scream in their band or whatever and and um i was like oh i'll I'll write an album and i did it yeah and um then that person ended up not doing it but someone else did but like you know there's a lot of stuff that i do that's it's it's kind of like that it's like uh somebody will want to do something specific that you know and i'm just like well, how can I do something that's a little different than what I'm already doing, you know, or do, should I even care, you know, maybe? Yeah, not, yeah. You know, it just depends. Um, and so when you're kind of like writing now, like, because you've got so many different like hats on, do you have to kind of dedicate time to each band or do you just write and then be like, oh, this would fit with Plague Walker. Oh, this would fit with Coma Regalia. Like, how does that kind of work? Um, yeah, so... Uh, I'll, I'll be playing something and, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll record it in the, in the uh, voice memos or something and I'll just call it the hope hereafter, you know, cause I, okay. cause I think, oh yeah, that's going to work with that. You know, I don't, um, I tend to stay ahead of myself. So I don't, mm. I'm, I haven't been in a position where I am like this, this project hasn't done anything in a while so i should do that now you know yeah um so like it's not been where i where i have had to sit down and be like this is going to be this project and i've had to worry about whether what i'm doing sounds like that or you know or whatnot so i just kind of can do it at my leisure just be like um like i don't know i just i'll pick up a guitar and i won't I'll just be screwing around. I won't expect anything to come of it, but then I'll find something I like and I'll just save it. And like I said, sometimes I'll label it immediately. Sometimes I will just uh, forget about it and I'll just like mm. maybe, you know, cut, sort of be like farming for ideas and I'll come up with yeah. something, you know, like, oh, um, I don't know what I thought about that when I did it, but now it sounds like this, you know, something like mm. that. Yeah. And just because obviously like we've mentioned you've got these various projects and as you mentioned earlier like people ask you to kind of play on things and stuff as well. So massive hypothetical <laughs> question here, but like when 
doing shows and touring becomes a possibility again, would you ever book the Sean Decker mega tour of like all your bands touring as well? <laughs> I mean, if somebody wanted that, I'd do it. I mean, I can't do it. I've um, like uh, a few, it's a few years ago now, obviously. Uh, but, um, you know, one, one show that we played, it was a uh, Coma Regalia and Plague Walker and Gas Up Your Hearse. And I was actually the vocalist uh, for Gas Up Your Hearse at like several shows as well. Oh, okay. So like, I've done it before where I played like three sets, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, now one Coma Regalia tour, I did vocals for uh, Iwakura at a show in Denver. So like, I've done it. I mean, I'm a few years older now, but I mean, <laughs> I'm ornery. Like I could do it, you know? <laughs> so yeah if, if people want to do that i mean it'll just be me and uh 15 of my friends and um and i guess you'll have you'll have to book their bands too that i'm not in just you know to be fair uh so yeah it'd be like the ultimate screamo tour yeah we'll, it'll be awesome we'll have uh let's see we'll have hundreds of au and we'll have coma regalia and we'll have carry on spring and we'll have shrivel up and we'll have uh i don't know i at this point I'm, i just i'm like what playing playing all these bands and what are my friends that i play in these bands with also playing uh <laughs> you know masanera um you know well yeah it'd be screamo lalapalooza <laughs> yeah i'll be well up for that yeah. um just before like I start rounding things up, like one thing that I did want to kind of ask you on a bit more of a personal level is obviously you're like a family man. You mentioned obviously like you've got kids and stuff, got a wife, and obviously I know your wife has some involvement with the record label as well. I'm, I'm not sure how much she still does, but um, but obviously like in terms of you, I know at the moment it's not possibility, but with you going off on tour and, and things like that, how do you kind of balance like family life and music life? And have you found like a good balance for it now? Um, we just, you know, we just like, can't, we just like had a really long talk a long time ago about like, you know, what kind of like what was important to each of us, you know? Mm. And, um, and this was something that like, while you know, when my oldest was born and I couldn't, there was no way that I could see myself doing this for a very long time. And then as like, as, um, you know, he got older, it was like, well, now this seems more tenable that I could go on tour for a little bit and that'd be fine. But then of course we had more children and, you know, at that time she was like, what difference does it make? It doesn't make, it doesn't matter. Like if I'm taking care of one kid by myself or two kids by myself it's fine but we just yeah we just came to an agreement on like it wouldn't be like it would be like roughly it wouldn't be longer than this at any one given a time and it would be roughly like this many days you know out of the year or whatever you know and stuff like that so we just like like i said we came to we had a conversation about like what was important to each of us and like this being like such a big part of my life that i uh Honestly, before Com Coma Regalia, like like I said, I had done a couple tours, but I I'd never just I never really felt like I did it um, 
the way that I wanted to do it, you know, and, um, <clears throat> and so it was like, if I don't start do if I don't start doing this, then I never will. And so, yeah, like I said, we came to these agreements and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, obviously like stuff like FaceTime and stuff like that is like, yeah, yeah. Like that's, that's huge. Like for just like, you know, being able to keep up with like my kids and stuff while I'm gone. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, um, I don't think there's, you know, I don't think it's like that, uh, that thing where like the person's like a car salesman or something and they leave for two weeks and they <laughs> yeah. come back and pretend like, and, and they, it like, I never, like, I'm like, I'm not trying to like come back and be like, and pretend like that, um, I have to like uh, dote on people's like every waking hour because I was like absent. I, my kids, I, I've talked with them before, you know, like this is, um, there's, there's stuff that people want to do with their lives. And like, just, I might, I might not make money. This might not be what I do to make money, but this is like, absolutely what I feel like is like, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life. And, um, so they understand like how important it is. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's just like a lot of communication, you know? Mm. And do you, are your kids like into the music that you do or do they just kind of think like, Oh, that just makes loads of noise. It's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's wild. Um, you know, at different times, like, there is one story where uh, I had this show at my house and it was Fleshborn and um, like Nurture and uh, and Scowler. And I did, I, at the time I wasn't doing a lot of shows, but I just had to have this one here because I, I the place I booked got, you know, they told me, oh, you can't do this anymore. Anyway, so Parker and them from uh, Fleshborn were on my couch and they were like listening to like, I think it was a Converge single that just came out that day. Mm. And my, um, my kid who was like, uh, maybe like five at the time said, play daddy music. And, uh, <laughs> and they were like, what? And they were like, Oh, play some Coma Regalia. And so they started playing Coma Regalia on their laptop and he started freaking out. He started like dancing around the room and jam- awesome. <laughs> um, so it's like, they've had their, uh, they've had their moments where they're like, yeah, um, like, like they've, they've enjoyed like what I, what I do and stuff. Um, they think it's, they think it's wild. Sometimes they come down and they ask me where I'm sending these records to or whatever. And I'm like, this one's going to Japan. And they were like, people know your band in Japan. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, they do. You know? That's pretty cool. One person does anyway. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think my youngest, um, so I, so when, um, I did, I recently did drums on two tracks for the band Anna Corinna and they just right. came out this year. And, um, and so when those tracks went up on Spotify, I, I, I played them, um, cause I thought my, you know, I don't usually put Coma Regalia stuff on Spotify. Yeah. I thought, yeah, they'll, they'll think this is so legit cause it's on Spotify. So I played those tracks and my, and my, uh, youngest who like doesn't say a lot of good things about music was like, 
this is good. And I was like, <laughs> I did it. You know, I finally did it. I finally... You bro- you've broken through. Yeah, I finally did it. Awesome. Um, Sean, before I do let you go, though, I've got to mention, obviously, your own podcast, um, Everything Remade. So I've got to admit, say, huge fan of what you do. Like, I know it's kind of similar to, to what we're doing now, but, like, some of the guests that you've had on are, are like, it's like me kind of reliving my childhood with some of them and, like, awesome. also getting the chance to hear these, like, like, because I don't know, like, it might just be I'm not plugged into it as much, but I don't see or hear as many interviews of people in the Screamo world. So it's really cool to to hear these conversations that you have. But like in terms of like wanting to start it, was there kind of a particular like idea of why you wanted to do it? Or was it just like because you wanted to have chats with mates? Um, kind of that. Uh, so, you know, I, I've, I've said it before, like I, I used coma regalia as a vessel to um like confront like some pretty severe anxieties that i've had like Mm. uh driving on highways and being in crowds and stuff like that and um you know so the next like logical step was like when you're at a show and you just feel like an alien in the room and you just like can't talk to people and stuff i was like well i don't like when we started playing out a lot more i was like well i don't care what i have to say um to people i'm not i'm not gonna let myself be that person anymore and so i'm i apologize to anybody if they have ever if they've ever talked to me about something they don't care about um uh because that was just me trying to just be like open with people and not just yeah. be in the corner like I would usually be. Um, <clears throat> so it was part, like you said, it was like, why aren't people talking to my friends? You know what I mean? Why aren't people talking about the bands that I give a crap about? And then it was also like, you know, it was also like, a fascination with like some people I knew well already and I knew parts of their story that I thought that people might benefit from hearing you know and just to give people um, the chance to tell their stories you know and um, use that as a as a way to get to know uh, people a little better than I already did and also um, to, uh, to 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 come out of my shell like a little more you know? Mm. Yeah. And I think like, it's kind of similar to why I started this. Like, so like my background, like I've always been into like writing and stuff like that. And I don't, I previously done like written interviews and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but I was kind of similar to, to you, like at shows, wouldn't really talk to people and things like that. And like, I've got like friends in bands over here in the UK. I was like, well, I want to know more about them rather than it just being like, Oh, I like your music kind of thing. And yeah. it just, that's kind of how it started. And then I've been fortunate enough to, to chat to loads of other people off the back of it. But yeah. like, I just wanted like a couple of episodes of yours. That I wanted to sort of like give kudos to one being Blake from page 99, because I don't think I've ever heard an interview with anyone <laughs> on page 99. So that was fucking rad. 
Um, recently, the one with Matt with from Portrayal of Guilt because I fucking love that band yeah. and like I think their new record is just gonna shoot them to to the moon. Like no, they're no. on them, and um, I've got to give a shout out to a close friend of both ours, but. Uh, Brendan from Avera. Oh, yeah, that yeah. episode was really cool. Yeah. So yeah, like I just wanted to say, really enjoy like your show and what you do, and I appreciate you putting putting that out every every so often. So thank you, thank you. Um, Sean, before like this is honestly the last thing I'm going to ask <laughs> no, you for. No there you go. Um, but obviously last year you had various projects, like as we said at the beginning, like nearly thirteen releases that you worked on. I'm gonna guess 2021 is already looking pretty busy for you. So, what can we look forward to? What are you able to tell us that's coming out in in your world this year? Um, I've been working for a little while on um, the new the Hope Hereafter record. Um, it's uh, it, we're we're at the vocal stage now, so that shouldn't be too long. Um, we decided that the Hope Hereafter records like they wouldn't sound like one another. So okay. this album will sound different. And I think it's, uh, I think it's going to sound, it's going to sound familiar to people, but it's something that, that I, I don't think a lot of uh, bands are, are really like doing this specific thing that much anymore. Mm. Um, but, um, so I've been working on that. Um, but something that's done and has been at the plant for a little while is a seven inch by a project called Lacrima, um, AKA the tombs await outside. Um, Lacrima is uh, Christopher Rodriguez from Masanera. Uh, okay. Tom Schlatter from hundreds of AU. Uh, uh, Seth Babb from Funeral Diner on vocals and um, myself. Um, that seven inch is coming from uh, Zegman Beach, React with Protest, and Middleman Records. Uh, on, I don't know when this will air, but on January 25th, there's going to be a video and pre-orders, and then on February 17th, the full seven-inch will release. Uh, so that will be the Monday after this goes out. Oh, awesome! Awesome. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, the, so I guess people heard that first. Uh, you'll, find, <laughs> you'll see where to watch the video, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I've been working on an album uh, called, it's called Cordata. Um, Tom from Hundreds of AU and I did that. Um, it's uh, my attempt at um, a sort of return of the frog queen like jeremy enoch like i'll say it's a full band acoustic with like lots of weird noises and uh weird vocals um i'm really gonna try to do another hex lariat album this year um the album's been written for a while but it's this weird i wrote i wrote the album like on a guitar that was in a super weird tuning and i actually have no idea what the tuning is <laughs> um, so it's like I'm basically listening and relearning this album so that I can like record it but um uh yeah other than that I have uh some projects um there's there's a project called Mild Flowers which is um my friend Craig Woods from the band Towers 
uh, and Eddie Marflack from uh, the band uh, Close Down does vocals. Um, we released one song on the uh, Sorted States Volume 3 compilation, but um, mm. there's like four or five more songs to that that we should have coming together soon. Um, there's a project called And No One Knew, um, which is um, uh, Aaron from Masanera on bass, um, Nina from Indisposed on guitar, and then Alex Barkley from uh, Not Your Friends on vocals. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've, got, I've got a lot of stuff just like in, you know, the general like pipeline, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes when I go, um, oh yeah, I forgot that's almost ready as well. Um, but uh, yeah, there's going to be another Deracine and uh, there's more from Tom Schlatter and I's project, uh, Shifting the Grief car Target. We have, we've recorded a couple more songs. We just got to put vocals on as well. Um, so yeah, like a bunch of stuff, obviously. So, so a busy yeah. man again this year then. <laughs> yeah, I'm busy, a, bu a busy them. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I can I mean, um, I, it's a, this is always one of those things where I'm always like, I forget to say something about something and then I feel bad because uh, someone will text me later and be like, how come you didn't mention North? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you can be forgiven to let something slip considering you've got so much on your plate. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, it's like, I don't want to sit there and just list off every single thing, but at the same time, you know, I do want to say like, yeah, um, the people that I play with, like, I, you know, I, 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 I tend to work with a lot of the same people sometimes and I'm trying to like, you know, get away from that, but it's like, mm. there's obviously always a, there's always a very good reason that I ask the people that I ask or yeah. hopefully there's a, there's a good reason that people ask me as well, you know? So yeah, um, it's people that I care about and that I think are doing great things and, you know, so. Perfect. Sean, thank you very much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I've noticed, I apologise now if I slipped on pronouns a couple of times. It's purely a slip of tongue. Don't mean any offence by it, but it's one of those things I'm trying to learn to get better at, and so I do apologise if uh, there were any slips. Okay. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time. Looking forward to everything and everything that you have out uh, this year. Thank you. And do you, really do you not ask the, the, the song question anymore? Oh well, I yeah, was going to say. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> I wasn't sure because you've got so many things, and obviously we haven't had shows in pretty much a year now. Yeah. But all right, go, we'll go. We'll stick with two bands with you because we've got you've got so many. So we'll have one from Coma Regalia and one with Plague Walker. Oh God. Okay. Um, okay. So, um, Coma Regalia is easy. It's Shatter. The okay. The How come? From um, from the mirror and um. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's the the just the part near the end before the very end when the guitars just start playing. I mean, it just sounds like it's just it sounds kind of like nonsense, um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. Just those particular chords and like it just 
I think I just feel like when I play that, it feels like the most powerful thing that I've ever written. And, and that's cool. I just, I don't know. I've, I don't know how many times I probably screw it up because I just feel like it's, it should be playing itself. And I just get cap captivated by that. That's yeah, cool. Man. Song. Um, <clears throat> Plague Walker. Um, I, I am awful with, <coughs> uh, I'm awful with the names of songs. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't even, I actually don't even know. I don't think, I would have to ask Anae to, to be sure, but maybe she doesn't even know the names of all of our songs. Maybe she just goes the same way. We're like, oh, the, the first one off the new thing or the second one off this thing. But um, <laughs> there is, um, there is a song uh, where she sings, um, uh, and and I, you know, she sings in Spanish, but um, she sings like they left them in the road, and it's a song about um, about the 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 women of Mexico that you know go missing, and um, mm. and uh, there's. Th like I just feel like I'm gonna come apart at the end of that song where she screams that part and it's just like yeah. it is just like when she told me what that album was gonna be about I was just like shit like I hope I mm. can write songs that are good <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. that, that work for that and um I, I guess you know I guess we did we did um well but yeah that that song so like I don't, I don't know then which song that is, you know, I, I know like, and this is like, what's weird is how we've had to put our songs in order just so how we all know like which song is coming next. You know? <laughs> but, um, it's that song, if anybody, uh, it's on the album um, Palomas and uh, it's about uh, halfway through. Okay. I'll I'll try and do some digging, and if if I find it, I'll I'll mention it in the in the outro. But yeah. perfect, brilliant, Sean. Thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, hopefully, when shit's all sorted out, we'll get you over to Europe again, and we can have a conversation face to face. Yeah, we uh, we have a standing offer to be at the next Miss the Stars Fest, and we will be there. So. Oh, I will be there as well because yeah. I love that fest, yeah. and I I was bummed out that well, well for obvious reasons yeah. it had to be cancelled last year, but yeah. we'll definitely be be there again once it's once it's safe to do so. Yeah, for sure. Perfect, brilliant. Thank you very much, Sean. Take care. Thank you. You as well. So there we have it, folks. Again, a huge thank you to Sean for taking some time out of their day to have a little chat with me. Um, I usually obviously put in sort of link, links to all the various projects that my guests are involved in, but because Sean is involved in so many, um, I'm going to kind of stick to the ones that we obviously discuss predominantly in the conversation. So that'll be Coma Regalia, uh, Middleman Records, Plague Walker, um, uh, but most of what Sean is involved in is on the sort of middleman records bandcamp and stuff. So that will kind of be a place to to find 
whatever Sean's doing. But yeah, we'll put all those links in the episode description as always. Um, as Sean mentioned in in the chat, there's so much more to come from them this year. So keep an eye on all of the various projects that they will be putting out in 2021. I'm very, very excited for what is to come. And they've already put out an incredible record in the Diotrain um, record, which came out earlier this year. And we're already, we're only three weeks into 2021. So it looks like it's going to be another busy year for Sean. But yes, as always, um, it's Thank you for everyone that's kind of checked out the show, listening to the show, uh, whether it's the first time you're listening to the show or the 178th time. As always, please rate, subscribe, review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. It, it, I know I sound like a broken record when I say that, but it really, really does help. Um, I've kind of been lucky to ha- line up quite a few sort of interviews in the next coming weeks or so. So got some really cool guests lined up one of which I'm super excited about which I won't say just yet because uh it could end up being episode 200 it's not confirmed yet but we'll wait and see but on that note as we are approaching episode 200 would love to see love to see sorry love to hear who everyone would like to hear for that milestone episode so get in touch uh Instagram Facebook Twitter, all that lovely stuff, just underscore and underscore insight, um, and or email us just underscore and underscore insight at hotmail.co.uk. I completely forgot my own email address then. Um, but yeah, that is it for another week. Thank you as always for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon. Bye.